Okay, ready? <clears throat> Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Campfire Adventures. It's your boy, Dylan, and I'm back here with you all from Podcast Land to tell you the newest episode in our podcasts, as well as my experiences here in Maine. But I'd first like to give a big welcome to the whole clan, my live audience. I made some friends while I was camping, and they invited me over, and here we are doing the podcast together. So thank you all for being a part of today's episode. I really, really appreciate it. Hi, fans. <laughs> You're very welcome. See, there you go. I appreciate it. So we finally reached the most northeast side of America that I'm going to travel to, and wouldn't you know it that that state's actually Maine so much stuff has happened while I've been visiting the state from having a really nice cabin to waking up at 2 a.m and also thinking that I saw aliens I know aliens out of everything that you could possibly see in Maine that's what I thought I saw but there's been so many experiences that I can't wait to share with you all but we'll save that for the end of the episode because I know that you're all here for a new story today so it's time to grab a drink, we're by a fire, a beautiful fire that they use Christmas tree to light, which is just perfect because you all know that we use Christmas tree. And it's time to get into today's episode. So today's episode is about a moose. And let me tell you, seeing a moose has been a pretty tough creature for me on this trip. I thought that I might see a moose while I was in Montana. I thought I might see a moose when I was in Washington. And then even now, I thought, okay, here in Maine, this is my time. Time to shine and see a moose. But as of right now, I haven't. But according to everyone that I've talked to, if I wanted to, I'd have to head a little bit more inland. So I'm gonna keep my eyes peeled and maybe if I'm lucky, I'll see a moose. And if I'm super lucky, it's gonna be the moose that I'm gonna tell you all about today. In Maine, it's known as the Spectre Moose. And since the late 1800s, the legend of an enormous white colored moose have enticed hunters from all over the world to come to Maine and try their luck in capturing this formidable beast. The first sighting was reported in 1891 at Lobster Lake. This lake in itself was an enormous sight to take in. You had both mountains on one side and sandy beaches on the other. And you were just surrounded in all this natural beauty. And if you loved fishing, then this was the place for you. Because out at this lobster lake, they had it stocked with trout, salmon, almost anything you could think of. So anything you could possibly want, this was a one-stop shop for you to go visit. Well, on a day in 1891, there was a man named Clarence Duffy. He was a guide at the lobster lake. And at the time, he was out just patrolling the area, just making sure that the grounds were clean and up to the standard of the lake and making sure that anybody who came to the lake would enjoy their time there. They wouldn't see 
you know, a raccoon trying to break into a trash can, trying to get some food. You know, of course, there wouldn't be any trash because it's supposed to be you know, a scenic beauty place. So why would you have that there anyway? So he's making his rounds, just making sure that everyone's happy. And he finds something that he wouldn't ever forget. And that would actually start one of the biggest hunts in Maine's history that no one could ever prepare for. Clarence claimed that he had seen an outrageously big white moose. He said it had dark brown eyes, an abnormally, an abnormally, oh my gosh, an abnormally, <laughs> I can't say that word, an abnormally large set of horns, oh no, sorry, antlers, and apparently it kind of glowed. Well, without anything to defend himself with and an unexpected confrontation with a large white moose, Clarence decided that he was going to run away, save himself, and then go tell somebody what he had seen because he thought, you know Small what? Man. Right? I would have left too. I wouldn't have wanted to see it face to face. And I mean, I know I really want to see a moose, but I don't want to see from a distance. A distance, exactly. Well, he got back to his team and he told them, hey, you know, just check this out. I just saw this giant glowing white moose, bigger than anything we've ever even known to be in Maine or anywhere. And you know what they did? They just laughed at him. Shocker. Yeah, they were like, okay, you're crazy. They thought maybe he was working too hard or maybe he was just trying to play a practical joke with everybody. And I mean, come on, would you believe him? I mean, I would like to say I would because I just want to be that kind of person where it's like, oh, well, if you said that happened, then I should, you know, believe you, and then we can go out and look for it and stuff like that. But I don't know, you know, it had to be in the moment to see if that actually would happen. So it wasn't until a few sightings later when a hunter named Howard Von Ness and his hunting party decided to come to Maine to hunt for some wild game. Well, in hopes of finding and bagging the biggest catch in the group, Howard wasn't too upset when he actually found himself separated from the team. He went out and he hoped, like, you know, I don't know what they're doing, but all I know is I'm going to win this challenge. Because he was all alone in the woods, when he found a moose that was unlike any other, he thought this is the perfect prize to bag for this hunting trip. He thought, if everything goes well, I'm going to win the challenge. So he claimed that it must have weighed about a ton, that this moose had an all white coat and antlers. Were the antlers white too? I don't know if the antlers were white, but it, he did say that the antlers were probably about 12 feet in length. So bigger than any average, I, I've never seen a moose, but if you could imagine, yeah, that's like two of me. Yeah, that's like, yeah, exactly. That's like me on one side of him and then on the other side of the antlers set as well. So he's amazed that he had seen this creature. I mean, if you were hunting, I think the only thing that would go through your mind is like, all right, I'm going to be like famous. I'm going to win every record out there in the world. So I have no idea. Well, remember, he's called the Spectre Moose. So that'll play into effect in a second. So he gets into position. He's downwind. So he knew that there'd be no way that this moose would even know that Howard was in the area. So he got his gun ready and he fired. Direct hit. Except the moose didn't go down. 
It wailed in pain for just a second, and at that moment, there would be no way that this moose wouldn't know that Howard was in the area. So once it spotted him, the great white beast charged at him, and it wouldn't give up until it took down the person who had tried to do the same thing to him. Fearing for his life, Howard found a place to hide, and he disappeared into the forest for a few hours until the moose decided that he was done being angry and disappeared back into the forests. Howard told his companions about his experience, but this time, instead of people laughing, they were all more determined than ever to find this great white creature. And I know this story is a lot because imagine if you found a creature unlike any other. Imagine if maybe this was the last of its kind and it just so happened to be alive. And then the one thing that people actually want to do is not preserve it. They want to hunt it down and then put it on display in their like trophy case or something like that. And as messed up as it sounds, I mean, that's what hunting is and stuff like that. So, I mean, it makes sense on two different, uh, on two different perspectives, if not even more. Like one, people want to hunt it just to have it. And then there are other people who want to preserve it so that way they can understand it. But anyway, so with the story um, in Maine, news spreads of the great white moose that was eventually dubbed the specter moose. So people from all over the world came and they tried their luck at hunting down this creature. Well, were any of them successful? No, not really. People got just as far as Howard. They got one shot, maybe a few more at the beast, but it reacted almost exactly the same way. It was unfazed. And then it retaliated. So, I mean, nothing really crazy happened with the Spectre Moose, except for more and more people saying, hey, we've seen it too. You're not alone. We've seen it too. Which is, I'm sure, a really big sigh of relief for Clarence, the first person to actually see it when everyone laughed at him. He's probably like, see, I told you I'm not crazy. And with all the other people actually coming forward with these reports of seeing this creature, the more and more composite image of the Spectre Moose came to manifest. Let me just start with the stats of a large adult moose. Not the white moose that we're talking about, not the specter moose, but the average size of a regular full-grown adult moose. So roughly at the max, a moose can weigh over a thousand pounds. It's about seven to eight feet tall and has a set of antlers that are six feet in length. And their fur color can um, be any shade between brown or black, something around that lines, and then their eyes are usually black as well. Okay, now here are the stats for the description of the Spectre Moose. He's covered in an all-white coat. He's about 12 to 15 feet tall, has a set of antlers that are in length at 12 feet, and believed to weigh over 2,000 pounds. His eyes are still brown or black, depending on the color. And just imagine, like we said earlier, coming face-to-face with a moose in general, right? I wouldn't want to do it. No. I wouldn't want to have a standoff with it. I wouldn't want to look it in the eyes unless it like looked at me and like could speak and say, hey, Dylan, I'm not going to hurt you. Let's be friends. And I'd be like, okay, sure, that sounds great. But, you know, imagine, first of all, coming face-to-face with the moose. And then if not just that moose, the specter moose, who's all white on top of that. And almost, he's more than double the size of a regular, you know, average size adult male moose. So... That would be crazy. And then going into this thing, thinking that you're going to hunt it and then bring it down? I couldn't imagine. Well, 
Before we get into the theories that people have about what this creature could possibly be, let me tell you one more encounter a hunter had with the Spectre Moose. And honestly, this is the coolest one to me. And it's pretty crazy, but very interesting. So in 1938, there was a hunter named Houston. He made his way to Maine looking for the Spectre Moose, and wouldn't you know it, he found him. Only this time, he wasn't alone. What Houston found was a herd of over 15 moose. Now, I don't know if moose are more solitary types of creatures or not, or if they like to roam around in a herd just to feel more comfortable. Maybe it just so happens that it happens every now and again. But in this instance, there was over 15 moose. Houston claimed that the female moose were eating their fill of their greens while there were three male moose that were watching the herd, making sure that everything was okay. Two of the males were brown in color, about the size you'd expect the moose to be, and then there was one that was all white. He was almost double the size of the other two males with an all white coat and glowing in all his glory. Now I'm just saying, could you imagine going to find a specter moose? And then this time finding him with a herd of like 15 other moose size, moose? How do you say it, mooses? Multiple moose Mo moose. Moose, oh see, yeah, that makes sense, so moose. And uh, so he had to do a double take. He like saw the image, right, registered in his mind. Then he sees this giant white glowing moose, turns his head, and when he looks back, it's not there anymore. It's just gone and just vanished. So there are more stories of the Spectre Moose that have been told in the area, and even now in the 2000s. But out of all the ones that I've read, there were none that were as cool as Houston's. Like, that was the one that impressed me the most. And I don't know if he's real. I mean, could he be? Possibly. Like, how in the world can there be this giant moose that's been seen for over 100 years, if you think about it? We were talking about the late 1800s, now we're in the 2000s. So that's a long time. Well, apparently, there are some moose out there that can be born with white fur. They are a rare form of albino moose that have been found around Canada, so it's not impossible to believe that maybe, hey, they could be out here too. Why couldn't they have been born in Maine or somewhere else like Montana or whatever? And Or maybe, I guess, possibly they could have just wandered down from Canada. Now, that would answer all of our questions, but just because there are albino moose out there, it doesn't mean that they're the supersized moose that we're talking about here, right? And then, even still, an albino moose has a pink-colored eye versus the brown eye that we mentioned that the specter moose has. So that kind of negates that whole theory. And then there's also another theory out there that maybe the moose is just a regular moose, super incised sure but to rationalize the coloring that he has the white color of his coat they're saying that there's a winter tick out there or out here i guess here in maine or maybe in the east coast i'm not sure but if they bite onto their victim the area of skin or the area of like fur skin wherever it really lightens up the color so it's possible that the black color could turn white so people are saying that maybe there's just some giant supersized moose out there that is covered in an enormity of winter ticks and then that's why it has the dark colored eyes with the light colored fur but that's just one theory and then there's this story so if you believe in the supernatural which 
Of course you do, because you're listening to this podcast. There were a group of hunters in the 1800s that found a giant white moose. And together, they were able to take this creature down. And what they wanted was its magnificent fur. So they hung the moose from a tree, and they made a cut so that way they could drain all the fluids in their body. That way they can take the fur and then do whatever they want with it. So that evening, the hunters went back to their town, and they celebrated. They were so happy because they got the hunt of a lifetime. I'm gonna leave it in there. (laughs) That's cool. Um, So they went back to town and they were celebrating because they were like, oh my gosh, we bagged the biggest catch that we could ever have imagined. Like, so they're having a couple drinks, they're having a good time, and then all of a sudden there's a commotion in the town. Everyone's screaming, everyone's like yelling because there's something going on and nobody could nobody knew at the time what was happening especially being in a restaurant trying to celebrate so they walk outside and they see this giant white moose kind of terrorizing the town and so they're like wait a second and they notice that that moose had a cut where they cut the moose that was hanging from the tree and so they went inside grabbed their guns and they came out and they started to shoot at it but nothing happened. The moose didn't go down. It was unfazed. And ever since that event transpired, they say that in the local town areas, a moose would arise with a cut where they would drain blood and it would terrorize the town for just a little bit before it disappeared. And so that's when they believe that this whole legend of the specter moose actually started was this instance in the 1800s when these hunters killed this great white moose for its coat. So, here we are at the end of another episode. What did you guys think? Cool. That is cool, yeah. I would love it if there was a a great white moose that would get revenge on hunters. uh, Right, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. You know? Moose are scary in general. Have you seen a moose before? No? From a no. long distance, I think. Yeah. Okay. In Yellowstone. Oh, that's okay. That's one of my stops, so yeah, I have like, another chance to see I mean, a moose. That was like a long, long distance away. It was like down in the valley and we're way up on the Yeah. Okay. Um It's so known in Montana once. Yeah. In Montana. Uh, yeah. See, okay. There was moose in Montana that I was trying to see, but I ended up seeing elk, which was still really cool yeah. at the same time. But like you said, like Seeing a specter moose get its revenge on the people who were trying to hunt it. I just, I couldn't imagine have, hearing a story like, oh my gosh, there's this great white moose that no one's ever seen before in their entire lives. And the one thing that people think is, huh, I should go out there and catch that thing and then put its head in my mantle. Or, well, in their defense, in those days, that was the only way to true proof. Now we have cameras. Okay, that is true. And speaking of moose and cameras... There's a, a video that came out recently that I heard there. Um, a cameraman was taking a picture of a moose and trying to film the moose. And hiding behind a tree. He hid behind a tree. He put the camera out and was like videotaping the moose. Mm-hmm. Something happened. So the moose saw the camera, did not like the camera and charged the camera. Oh my gosh. The guy was okay, but he, the guy the was okay because he survived. He hid behind the tree. Yeah. yeah. The camera wasn't so lucky. 
Uh, yeah, that's what I heard. I-, I was always nervous because I don't know if they're super confrontational, but I do feel like they're very territorial. So I would, I wouldn't even think about it. But I did hear that. <laughs> I did hear that. Um, you know, the moose don't like being around people so much, and so that's why they like res- like receded back into the inland areas of Maine. Yeah. And then on top of that, the East Coast is actually losing a lot of the moose population in the area. I didn't know we even had a moose population on the East Coast at all. I thought they're only a West Coast thing. I'm just learning about it right now because of these travels, but... but well, yeah. all the moose crossing signs. <laughs> well, yeah, I only thought they were in Canada until I got closer, and then I ended up talking to this trucker in Montana, and I was telling him I was looking for moose, and he goes, go, go down to the valley or whatever he's like there's a family of moose just hanging out right by the side of the freeway and so that was my goal but i haven't seen it i didn't get a chance to see them so now my goal is to see them before i return back home so i was like if you're out there specter moose don't charge me but they do say that the specter moose isn't always a bad sign they did say that there was a gentleman or no this husband and wife who got stuck in a snowstorm because their horse had died and so they said that the moose found them and then off, like I don't, I don't know how he offered, but like he's like, "Hey guys, get on my back. I'll take you guys back to town." And so he took him back to town. And so people said that he's not only a bad, he's not always a bad guy. He can also be a good guy. But you know, a lot of the people who he were, he was attacking were hunters. So that kind of makes sense. But that's the end of first. yeah. In every story, they attacked him first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but that's the end of today's story. Um, it's, it wasn't the scariest that we've ever shared. And it was crazy because this is the first one that was all centered around like an animal ghost or a spirit. So that's pretty cool and really interesting. And then usually around this time, I like to tell just a little bit about the trip that I've done here. And so like I was telling you all before, you know, I came to Maine straight from New Hampshire and I had this nice little cabin, which, like I said, I didn't feel like I deserved to be in. I was like, oh, my gosh, this place is nice. But I did some work for the podcast, and then I think I slept, like, three and a half hours, four hours, before I had to get up and drive all the way over here to go to Cadillac Mountain, where you see, like, the first point where the sun, like, touches in America. And it was super foggy, and there were, like, tons of people there. I couldn't imagine how many people were there. And then you need a reservation, and I just so happened to get, like, the only reservation for that day or something like that. So it just worked out perfectly. So I had these beautiful pictures of the sunrise, and I'll show you guys so you can all see it. That way, I know you're not warning people, so that way you don't have to worry about it. And then um, I walked around Jordan Pond, which was beautiful, and then Sand Beach, and then the Thundering Hole, which was a little bit of a gurgle, but like you said, it's because it wasn't storming. And then, um, and then I had lobster. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able, like going to go do it because you know I'm on a budget for this trip. But I'd spoken to some people, and they were like, "If you're there, then you got to do it." And so I had a lobster roll that was like out of this world, amazing. It was so good. And um, and did did. Do you hear him mention he's in an Acadia National Park? That's where I am. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She's completely right. Acadia National Park. This place is so beautiful. Out of all the national parks, there are tons of them. This has been on my tops of the top of the list. And so everybody who ever gets a chance to come to Maine and go to Acadia National Park, please come out here and come enjoy everything that it has to offer. There's so much. There's lobster there's 
peak where the sun rises. And blueberry pie. The blueberry pie. I didn't try the blueberry pie. We need to try the. I haven't either yet. Okay, that's a thing here. Wild blueberries. That's why. Oh, okay. So blueberry pie. With wild Maine blueberries. And then I also said one more thing is that I said um, I thought I saw aliens. So. So I was driving, so I woke up, like I said, I only slept three or four hours, and I started driving here to go to the Cadillac Mountain, and I'm driving and driving and driving, and honestly, I, I try not to drive at night or that early in the morning because, you know, I'm camping and stuff like that, but I was going, and I just saw, it, they didn't even look like they were moving, it looked like it was just floating out in the distance, and people... When you're not from a state, everybody in the world just wants to go around you and, like, just go super fast. And I'm like, it's 40 miles an hour, and, and they want to go 80. So I'm driving the speed limit, and I'm just trying to... I'm like, I'm just trying to get to the mountain, just trying to get to the mountain. And I see, like, these three floating kind of lights. And I don't know what happened, but I got a shiver down my spine. And I was like, this is when it goes. This is when it goes. And I heard one time, like, you got to... If you think that they're there, you got to look at the clock because that's how you know like a time difference thing well there was no time difference and as i got closer it just turned out to be two cars where the fourth light was covered by the other car and so that was crazy and then so and then i got to meet you all the whole clan so that was really cool and you guys are all great and the stories that they have do you have any cool stories of acadia national forest so far Not yet. I didn't get to see any moose, but I was. I've been looking. Okay. Well, we saw and, chipmunks running around over here. Yeah, me too. Yeah. There's chipmunks. We're going to see puffins tomorrow. Oh yeah, you're gonna do the fairy tour. That's cool. The puffin tour, yeah. I want to go do that now. Something was a lot of fun today. We didn't plan on doing it, but we just we we found a spot where we could pull over on the, the, the main road that goes around the whole park. Mm -hmm. right and right next just to got out and, and scrambled down across the rocks, just did a lot of bouldering. It oh, was cool. a lot of fun because you're right on the coast. Yeah, and that is really cool. We got all the way down right to, to the water's edge and even got a little wet. Is the water, like, would you say that the- oh, it's cold. Very cold. And compared to Maryland, super cold. That's like, that's my car. And I would, my minor, I am, um, I walked down in Bar Harbor. Mm -hmm. They had a beautiful little picnic area right along the water. So I walked down there and it was a foggy, misty, damp morning. Yeah. And I was looking out and you just, you could see, you know, the rocks right there along the shore and the water and then nothing beyond that. Yeah. Because the mist was so powerful. It's so powerful. And then, that was at noon. That was at, that noon. Was at noon. Was that yesterday or today? Today. Today, okay. And then, and then this and ship um, kept appearing and disappearing into the mist. And I kept joking with myself, it's a ghost ship. It's appearing and disappearing. But yeah. it's just disappearing into the The mist would just get thicker for a few minutes and then fade it back. It could be a ghost ship. It, maybe it there you go, the Spectre Moose and the Spectre Ship. Yeah. And maybe it had pirates on it. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think I think that's all the adventures that I have to share from Maine. I mean, I went fishing. That was cool. And then 
Wow, I had something else. Oh, and then also, I really, I met this really nice lady named Judith. So, if you ever find yourselves in, where was I? Near Lookout Point, Lookout Point uh, Cabins in Maine. Check her out. She's super nice, very friendly. And she told me she's everyone's mom in the area. So, thank you, Judith, for giving me that drink at the restaurant and being my friend and my newest follower on Instagram. And then thank you all to the whole clan for being here and being my live audience. I really appreciate it. And for all of you you listening and for participating, I really do appreciate it. And everybody out there in podcast land. But I think that's the end of our episode. We are around the fire under the stars and you'll see all these behind the scene pictures on campfire adventures podcasts for Instagram and Facebook. And then we have our website, www.campfireadventurespodcast.com. And every noise that you heard is because we are camping in the National Forest. So you hear car alarms, you hear fire, you hear burning Christmas trees, and of course, our conversation. And cell phone rings. And cell phone rings, yeah, exactly. Well, thank you all so much. I hope you have a good one. Goodbye. And that's it.